Hi, this is John Davidson from the Hollywood Squares, and that's incredible, and Disney movies, and where else? Uh, and I, I love listening to the Claws Corner. It's one of the best blogs around. The guy's very clever, and uh, I'm proud to be uh, supporting the Claws Corner. episode of the Claws Corner. I continue my conversation with actor, director, playwright, acting teacher, and musician Thomas G. Waits. So I want to begin with a huge congratulations on the film that you wrote and directed Target for being nominated for several awards at the Madrid International Film Festival. Congratulations. Yes, we were nominated for Best Director, mm -hmm. congratulations. Best Picture, and Best Actor, Nick Gregory. And uh, it's it's uh, quite an honor and, um, you know, I can't wait to um, see what uh, Madrid has to say about who the best. I think Ryan Philippe is in best actor category along with, with Nick. Nick Gregory. And I think he's quite a good actor. Oh yeah, no, he's, um, he's, a, he's a great actor. So when, when is this taking place? Uh, September for the week of September 4th, I believe. Yeah. All right. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. Um, you know, what we need, because we don't have a big studio behind us, you know, we just have a small distribution uh, company called Dead Talk Live Media. And they're nowhere near the size of like a Lionsgate or, but if we had that kind of push, we would definitely get more, uh, views and reviews so i need people to go to apple amazon and voodoo and to watch target and to write us a review on rotten tomatoes because uh, for some reason the reviews aren't getting through all the people that tell me they write reviews when i check they're not there so there must be some glitch in the system that we have to write to them and overcome because i know personally several people that uh, you know because i just did the texas frightmare yeah which uh with john carpenter which was tons of fun and the whole cast living still living cast of the thing and we had so much fun it was really great and uh you know uh, all the people whose autographs i signed i said you know will you watch my film and write a review and they're like absolutely you know because i take a lot of time with each person i don't just you know sit there and sign my name and go next next and i have you know lines and so forth and but I, but I take a minute with each person and i try to connect with them and find out what they're into and you know if i can be of any service to them in any way you know um and as a result of that um I feel comfortable asking them to give me the support that we so desperately need. Small independent films are really struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have someone behind you, um, it's, you're just going to disappear, you know, and I really want to make my next film and uh, I have big plans for it, but they want to know how much money you made on your last movie 
And if nobody knows about it, then you're not going to make anything. You know what I mean? So I've got to, I'm not comfortable being Mr. PR man. You know, it's, I've never had to, I just do my thing and people go, oh, that's good. Or that's not good. But yeah. I've never had to be a salesman. You know, now I've got to be a salesman, but. Well, this I read, where I'll uh, step in. I'm going to be a salesman for you. I love the movie. I am personally going to leave a great review. And I'm just speaking the truth because I told you I watched it twice so far. I bought it. I'll be watching it again. I encourage everyone to go on, what is it, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Apple. And what's the yeah, other? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and watch it. You're going to love it. And then, like Thomas said, go on there and just write a review because yeah you definitely deserve everything all the accolades you're getting because it's a great movie you put a lot of hard work into it you could see all the hard work that you've done but also the great acting the story it's hilarious it's got some drama a little bit of that i mean it's got everything it's a great music how about the little guy for exactly so what i'm gonna do is i'm on facebook i'm gonna be promoting the hell out of it telling everybody to write a review so I, I know it's tough like because that's like, I, I tell people that all the time when I was doing Sam comedy um, promoting yourself is a completely different animal. I can, I can get up on stage and do my act, but getting people in the seats to laugh at me, that's that was the hardest part. <laughs> and getting people there is harder than yes. doing the thing itself. You know exactly. I, mean? so, I, I can direct a Shakespeare play, you know, a five-act Shakespeare play with 22 people in it. And that's, let me tell you, no small task. That's easier than getting people to come and see it. Yeah, no, I completely understand. When I was in bands, I was in comedy, and I did did, book signings, just trying to get people. And then at first, when you first start doing it, they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to do this, can't wait to. And then like by the third or fourth, like, oh, yeah, I'm a little busy. It's been a long, long week at work. You know, every excuse in the book, so... It's not going to take that long. Put the movie on and then just tell them, let let them know what you think. Because it's, so you want to do Rotten Tomatoes. That's the best place for people. Yeah, that's the one that most people read. That's according to my girlfriend. That's what she says. Most people go to Rotten Tomatoes first as opposed to IMDb or whatever. Rotten Tomatoes is the, but they seem to be the trickiest uh, of them all. And, you know, look, and if you don't like it, you can write that, too. But um, just at least give me a chance is all I'm asking. Yeah. Well, speaking of people um, that like the movie, you mentioned last time we spoke that John Carpenter saw it. And I know you're friendly with Al Pacino. Do you have ever have a chance to watch it and uh, give you his comments on it? No, um, Al's the, it, the last time I saw Al was at the actor's studio. And, um, you know... He, I think yeah, I've known him since I was 23 years old. Yeah. He, he was 48 when I first met him. And now he's 84. Having a kid. And, right. And uh, and we, we knew each other well up until my 30s. Then we hadn't seen each other for many, many years. And then uh, he very generously, when I was applying for a teaching job at a college which i didn't get he wrote a letter of recommendation for me which was very generous and kind of him but in reaching him is is a bit difficult you know i mean i have his 
you you know his his cell number but i don't like to abuse it mm -hmm. so you know i think maybe i did send the poster and where you can see it and that was about it because you know with people like that if you bug them then they you know it's a fine line between being tenacious and pertinacious no, right I completely understand that yeah you know, because you don't want to get on anybody's nerves because they'll be like, you know, fuck off, mate. You know what I mean? But at the same time, there's a lot of um, educated bums out there. There's a lot of talented people that have never gone anywhere. Yeah. There's a lot of gifted artists that have never lifted a finger because they didn't have the tenacity. Tenacity is everything. You know, to 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 give up on yourself is the greatest sin because the time is going to pass anyway, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The time it takes to achieve what you want to achieve is going to pass anyway. So you may as well use that time doing everything and anything you can to accomplish your goal. You know, um, I've always been very driven like that. Not everyone has that quality and i'm not saying it's an honorable quality or a dishonorable quality it's just who i happen to be i happen to be a driven ambitious person that associates a great deal of my esteem with what i'm doing and um you know i know people that are not like that that they they really don't get they just they're happy content to just get along like i think we're made for the ability to strive the ability to go beyond what you think you can do yeah you know i i just have that firm conviction in my soul that we're meant to um push ourselves just like you're doing with your running oh yeah well, you know, I agree exactly what you said. And I think I, I mentioned maybe the last interview or maybe even off the air that I went from comedy to motivational speaking. And I talk about that all the time. I said, you have to get out of your comfort zone. So many people are just afraid to try something new. I said, there's no shame in failure. And for me, failure sometimes opens door to things I never even knew existed. Like I did this, I was doing this radio, audio theater live somewhere. And somebody said, oh, do you want to be in this play? They liked what I was doing. I was in the play. The play just bombed. It was horrible. But from that, somebody else saw me. And they're like, oh, I would love to work with you. And that led to a lot of different things, which that led to this, doing this right now. And I am loving this show. So I've never ever, I always tell people the same, what, you, what you're saying. It's like, get out of your comfort zone. Try something. I mean, like you said, I know people that are so content with like, eh, do my eight hours of work, go lie down on the couch, eat something, watch TV. For me, I just feel like I'd, I I want to be doing as much as I can all the time. And it's not just because it's not FOMO, fear of uh, missing out. It's more just like I want to do as much as I can in this, you know, short time I have here on Earth. Well, it's the Greeks taught us. The Greeks were probably, well, look, they are the cradle of civilization and they gave us law. They gave us medicine. They gave us theater. They gave us some of the most important value systems that we um, treasure today. And they, I believe it was Plato that said, you know, 
excellence excellence is what you must strive for mm-hmm. that that you whether or not you're as good as or not as good as is irrelevant it's are you excellent and did you put your courage do, do you have the virtue of courage to strive for excellence and you know excellence and um and tenacity are the two most significant qualities i think an artist must have is to strive for excellence to get better every day to try to improve at your craft every day and then you know to have the tenacity to hang in there i mean was it abraham lincoln that was rejected the first 13 elections he tried for Mm-hmm. You know, the Beatles were rejected by every record company in the world. Oh, yeah. In the in the world until Capitol Records said, all right, let's try it. George Martin doesn't have anything to do. Let's give him a band. You know, and he and he first heard them play and he thought they were the worst musicians he'd ever heard in his life. Mm-hmm. He took them each individually into the room and he said, OK, play everything you can play. Play everything you're capable of playing. And he listened to each one of them and he called his superiors and he said, these are the worst group of musicians I've ever seen in my life. You still want me to try to work with them? And they said, well, we signed a contract. We have to go through with it. We got to do it, an album with them. So they did, I think, Love Me Do or Please Please Me, one of those. And it like completely went through the roof. So, So, you know, rejection and failure are all a matter of perspective well when i was in radio the one thing they taught me was they said you're going to get rejected over and over again which i did until i got my first job then after i got my first job i had three more right after that but they said the more no's get you closer to yes and i've never ever i always always tell people it's like what's the worst thing they're going to say no then you get up there and you try again it's not like you're going to do that and then you're going to how can you keep going through that and i said there's really nothing to it. Did you, did you just have to learn to be, I mean, I guess the word would be a little bit tougher and just take the rejection with a grain of salt and just say, you know what, maybe this person does like me, the next one's going to love me. And I always, like, with comedy, somebody used to say with me, like, oh, well, maybe you should change your act around and make it a little more generic so every, you get a bigger audience. I'm like, no. I said, if I think it's funny, which I do, I'm going to continue what I do and I'm going to have, I'm not going to go looking for the people. I'm going to have the people find me. And it worked for me because I believed in what I did and I believed in myself. And I think that's a perfect segue because I want to talk, when we last left in our interview last time, we were going to talk about your acting studio. And I want to talk about what you teach your students. So before that, um, I want American Buffalo was really good for you because that was a play you did with Al Pacino, John Carpenter, Kurt Russell saw you. But also, uh, how did meeting Big Pussy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> during your run in American Buffalo leads you to becoming an acting teacher. Okay, so before that, I was a young actor, 22, even as early as 21, I was I did my first professional play and my first film at, at 21, 22, my first major motion picture. Um, and plays along the way. And when I would work, friends of mine, you know, at the local bar or whatever, would say, listen, I have a big audition for the public theater coming up. Would you, um, you know, help me out with my monologue or 
my scene. Uh, hang on one second. It's getting a bit dark. Uh, so people would come to me and say, you know, would you help me out with my scene or my monologue? Uh, and I would say, sure, you know, come on over. I had a loft down in Soho. So I had the room and they'd come up and I don't know how. It was one of those unexplainable things. It's like people that pick up the guitar at age five and start playing. I knew how to articulate precisely what they needed to do to improve the scene. And in many cases, they got the jobs. And they'd be like, hey, wait, I got that gig at the public theater. Thanks, man. And I, I thought nothing of it. Then um, Vin, Vinnie Pasteur came to see me in American Buffalo. And he was waiting for me outside. And he introduced himself and he said, you know, uh, listen, I have a rock and roll club up in New Rochelle, and I understand you have a band, and he booked my band. I think he paid us 600 bucks, which back in 1980, that was a lot of money for a band starting out. And after the show, I went downstairs to get paid, and there he had the poster of American Buffalo. And uh, he asked me to sign it, and he said to me, listen, I'm going to be closing this place. And what I've always wanted to do with my life is be an actor. What do you do? How does a guy become an actor? He said, well, you study. He goes, where? And I, I said, well, you know, you find a teacher or a school. And he said, would you teach me? So he rented a room in Midtown in some rundown hotel somewhere. And we, he would lay on the floor. I would do relaxation exercises and gradually, believe it or not, a month later, I had 30 students. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. That's a fact. And I didn't advertise. I didn't, I wasn't looking for any, it just, they just came. And, um, you know, and I've refined my teaching over the years uh, especially with my knowledge of Shakespeare and language. And and Vinny went on to become, you know, very successful, uh, as have many of my other students. Um, you know, I've taught Alfred Molina. I've taught Vanessa Shaw. I've taught um, Tim Guinea. I've taught a lot of actors that have gone on to do very well and are still going on to do very well for themselves. Um it is uh, germane to the point of pushing oneself. Mm -hmm. A good teacher pushes you past where you think you can go. If you think you can do a 5K in 30 minutes, a good coach will get you to do it in 27. Mm -hmm. uh, some people can do that on their own. Other people, especially with acting, because there's a lot of craft involved. You know, there's a lot of skill involved learning to use the camera, learning where the light is and to find the light, learning, uh, for example, tricks and techniques of how to get into the character, how to use, if necessary, substitution to create the feeling or emotion for a scene. And I think most importantly, 
and a, a very little discussed subject, the ethics of the theater. For example, the other night, two young women were doing a scene from Mauritius, uh, a play about uh, two women, half sisters that inherit this multi-million dollar stamp collection and they get into a physical fight over it. You know, a good teacher will stop that scene right where the physical violence begins and go, now, wait a minute. This, you can't just grab someone. You can't just randomly reach over and grab someone because that's what it says in the script. This has to be choreographed. Mm -hmm. Even if you're just grabbing the shirt and holding up, how, how each move has to be with specific and minute detail because the basic principle of, and I'm not a fight choreographer, but I've done millions of them. The basic principle of fight choreography is the person upon whom it's being done is the one in control. So that if you, I'm being choked, for example, it isn't the person that's choking me that pretends to choke me. It's me holding their hand on my throat and they're trying to pull it away. So there you have someone that's pull, the right hand is pulling away from the throat. The left hand is pulling toward the throat and thus you have tension. You have tension in the arms and then you sell it by, oh, oh. but you, I'm not getting hurt. There's no harm being done because I'm in control of the force. And, you know, it's little things like that that you pick up along the way. But protecting my students physically and also protecting them emotionally. Because some of them, you know, are not very good in the beginning and they're afraid to try because they know that they're not good. But to create an atmosphere where it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. where I as long as they feel comfortable, I think. You know, yeah, and, and as long as you're not discouraging. Exactly. You know, you can say to them, look, this is not working. And these are the reasons why it's not working. Because A, you haven't read the play. B, you're not prepared. C, you're not coming from someplace and going to someplace. For example, Macbeth's famous speech, is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? Come, let me clutch thee. Very, very famous speech, right? Yep. So, you know, the actor, he sort of ambles on stage and then pretends he sees a dagger. I'm like, he's on his way to kill Duncan. You're on his, you're, if you're on your way to murder somebody, you're in a specific state of mind. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're not ambling. You're not wandering. Oh, yeah, maybe I think I'll kill a guy. You know, it's like, no, I got to go do this. That's right. And then all of a sudden, a vision appears out of nowhere. A knife, a dagger. Oh, my God. And it's, it's the same dagger I have. And, and all of that astonishment and all of that um, color, that brilliant, beautiful color that Shakespeare gives us has to be taught. You have to hold people by the hand and slowly, gently instruct them. Be firm with them. Sometimes you got to be really firm with people because, you know, they, especially this generation, it's like every 10 seconds they're on their phone. No, yes. man, you got to get off the phone and you got to get on, you know, the book. 
-hmm. and study that book and understand that play. And I recently have had several um, Asian Americans join my class and English is not their first language. And so it's really difficult for them to do Shakespeare. It's, it's really difficult because they can't, they've never even heard of some of these words. Mm -hmm. And it requires patience, but believe me, I've had people, you know, I had one guy come to me and, you know, there's a famous speech in Hamlet where Hamlet gives acting lessons to the players, right? Because he wants them to perform a play that will uh, demonstrate uh, the death of the king by his brother, which is what he is afraid has happened, is that Claudio has killed his father. So he wants to present a play that has a very similar story, and he wants to study Claudio to see if he's guilty or not. Mm -hmm. And um, he gives this wonderful speech. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it, as many of your players do, I had as leaf the town crier spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much with your hands thus, but use all gently. For in the very torrent, tempest, and, as I may say, whirlwind of your passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. And of course, it goes on from there for many paragraphs after all of which I still know to this day, but I gave it to this guy who was a sort of a, a, a businessman, you know, he, a Jewish businessman from Long Island that owned catering companies and he wanted to be an actor. Okay, you know, well, come over and meet with me and let me see if you have the desire. And he looked at the speech and he's like, I, I can't even read this. Forget about memorizing and sure enough, within three months, he was up there doing a credible version of it, yes. where he at least made sense of the freaking thing. Mm -hmm. He at least knew what words to stress to articulate the meaning. And that's, um, you know, up to you. If you have the will, uh, isn't that what Nietzsche talks about? You know, the will to power. He had nothing, no interest in nationalism or Nazism or anything else. He despised all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He was interested in people facing their own demons and overcoming their personal challenges to make them better human beings. Yeah. That, they were, that we were really on our way to becoming godlike if we uh, had the commitment and the desire and um the the courage to face who we were and i believe in that i believe that you have to have the will to oh, yeah. to to become better and so i try to inculcate my students with that same drive i love that now was nietzsche the one that said face the fear and the fear will die or something to that effect was that him he said if you stare into the abyss long enough, you will become the abyss. Okay. And uh, yet he was not a nihilist. No, he was the one that said God is dead and we murdered him. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. No, I, well, I, his, I, whole, his whole trip was that we made a wrong turn at Christianity. You know, he believed it. His father was a Lutheran minister. His grandfather was a Lutheran minister. 
he lost his brother and his father and his grandfather very young. And therefore he concluded that there must not be a God or why would he be put through such torture at such an early age? And he was one of the first existentialists, you know, one of the first people to say, let's forget about this God business, you know, who are we? He turned instead to the Greeks and their concepts of virtue and honor, a sort of combination of Dionysus and Aphrodite, mm -hmm. you know, the wildness and freedom to dance as if nobody's looking, to sing as if no one's there, to, to, to love as if no one cares, and um, at the same time to honor uh, and respect the gift of life. Mm -hmm. That's how I would surmise. Now, you as an acting teacher, do you, te do you start off teaching them with Shakespeare plays? I do. I start everyone off with a Shakespeare monologue. And sometimes it's very difficult for them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it seems like they're never, ever going to get through it because they just don't, you know, grasp how to do it. So I put it on tape. And I, uh, just copy my rhythm just 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 steal it and then eventually you know try to get them to make it their own and that usually takes four weeks or so then from there i swing back in the other direction from shakespeare to contemporary uh scenes where they get to work on a character that's closer to themselves yeah I had a chance to watch a couple of your YouTube videos. I'm not sure if maybe that was around the time of COVID and that's why you had those out there, but I, I enjoyed them. And it was, I was a couple of the things I picked up from that was one said there's two qualities to being a great actor. One, which we mentioned earlier, was you have to be tough, able to handle rejection. The other one is you have to be smart, always be learning. I love that. And I, it, with the couple of examples you brought up is like before they even tried, they wanted to give it up. Oh, I can't do that. It's like, I like, like what you said, no, just try it first. Give it some time. You're not going to get it immediately, but just don't give up before you even try it. And I see so many people, not even in acting, just have that mentality. And it's sad because I said, you and I are very similar in the way we think. It's like, no, there's nothing I can't do. I don't really care. I have never once said, I can't do that. I just said, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I like the fact that you instill that confidence in your actor saying, no, you can do it. Just, just try it. You know, I mean, if you're not meant for something, um, you know, it will reveal itself to you, but you have nothing to lose by trying, mm -hmm. you know, at least give it a try. So I've got to turn the lights on because it's so overcast outside. It's okay. really, fr it's frightening. I mean, it's, it's yellow outside. Yeah. For people watching this, this is the day after we had the big wildfires in Canada, and there's all where I'm in Connecticut. He's in New York, and it's it's orange. I, mean, I, I can watch yeah. on the screen. I, I was just getting, yeah. I was becoming blue because yeah. there was no light. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It really looks like the end of the world out there. I swear to God, it. Yeah. And there's, you know, usually there's tons of traffic and no one's out. Everyone's inside. Yeah, no, it's. So for people watching this, it's the day after this happened, and it's it's pretty scary outside. It's oh, but 
I want to remind the Republicans: there's no such thing as climate change. Climate change. It's it's not happening. The ice is not melting, and you know the the air is perfectly fine and good, even though it looks like we're in New Delhi. Uh, just yeah, stick with that <laughs> argument that yeah. there is no climate change, yeah. and don't worry about it. Just get rich, and everything will be okay. That's basically but, all, all they want. Yeah, <laughs> but that's another conversation which yeah, you and I don't agree get, on. Remember, don't get me started. Yeah, I'll say one last thing about that, which was hilarious. It was, I want to say maybe in the early 2000s, maybe a little bit later, there was some either senator or congressman that came out with a snowball. See, climate change isn't real. It's like, first of all, it's not global warming. It's called climate change. The climate is changing. Storms are becoming much more common. They're becoming much more violent. The weather is all over the place. So without getting into another four-hour conversation, because you and I are very much on the same page with this, Climate change does exist, and th today is living proof. I mean, look at it out there. It's it's, it's yellow. I mean, yes. it is, I can barely see across the street. And, and last week, we had those beautiful, clear spring sky blue days. It was just lovely, you know, and it just shows what we've done to this planet. I mean, it's terrible. Um, if anything, it should serve as a wake-up call for people to pursue their goals and dreams because, you know, there may not be a planet upon which to pursue it. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the good things about COVID for some people. A lot of people before COVID would say, ah, you know what, I'll go next time. Ah, you know, I'm tired. Then after COVID ended, people were so desperate to go get out. I was going to different concerts that I was going to before COVID where they were empty and then they were packed because people realized like, Maybe there won't be a next time. Who knows when the next time will be? So just like with that, maybe this will be a wake-up call to some other people to say, you know what, we got to do something. Hope yeah, it. well, Biden's certainly trying to do something. At least he's trying. Yeah, no. I mean, well, yeah, the problem is, is the other side doesn't want to give him that chance because if he succeeds, it's going to make them look bad. And then that's, exactly. like, that's why I always say they don't care about the, the people. All they do is care about themselves and staying in office. So they can... Biden could have a cure for cancer and they'll say, nope, I'm not going to vote for that because I didn't think it. I didn't think of it. It's, uh, it's we'll, we'll do it in four years when I'm elected. No, so it, 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 11 House members walked out. You know, gas stoves are very bad for the environment. Yep. They want to ban gas stoves. All of them agree that this is a really terrible thing for the environment. Yet because they're so angry that McCarthy raise the debt ceiling which would have decimated the american credit exactly they're mad about that so they walked out on they're such it's like a kid at a sandbox taking his toys and going home you know like these are representatives of I know. our country i always say this what's what is the rest of the world watching this and just laughing at us i said they must they must be just uh, it's unconscionable. They must have no conscience. That's the only conclusion yeah. I can draw from it is that they just the the hunger for power, like in Macbeth. Yeah. Macbeth would never have done these things were it not for his wife driving him to do it. She wants that crown. And you know, he's so or like Richard the Third, he's so far away from the crown. He has to kill so many people to get there. But he wants that crown, so he'll kill them all to get there, mm -hmm. which is the reverse side of ambition, 
right? We talked about ambition and driving. That can be a good quality or it can be, you know, if you're going to run people over to get there, then it's not such a good quality. If yeah. you win in a fair arena where, you know, you do a film and it stands up against other films as a quality film, even though you only spend 150000 as opposed to $10 million, it's still a quality film. Well, then you're in the arena and you won fair and square. Or if you fail in that same arena, at least you tried. Better to have tried and died in the arena than never to have tried at all. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love but, it. But uh, back to my acting school, I, um, you know, I do very minimal advertising, and I have a very strict rule with regard to. I don't permit rarely i should say permit the other students to criticize one another i say to them emphatically you have encouraging words to say for your fellow classmates or you have nothing to say mm -hmm. it is not your place it is not your business only i have that right and if i catch you saying you know that really sucked what you did you know i'll throw you out I mean, that's the great thing about working for myself is um, I don't have to take any bullshit from anybody. You know what I mean? You don't have to go through HR me. and get free write-ups. You know, yeah, it's completely yeah, right. in the I retail mean, world. Yeah, or, or, you know, academia. I mean, they're the biggest cowards in the world, if you ask me. They don't have the guts to teach anything, which is why the country's in the condition it's in. Oh, exactly. You know, it, they're, they're hiding behind their tenure. You know, they don't have the guts to get out there and try to you know, people that have MFAs and, you know, PhDs in theater, they've never worked one day in the professional world, not one day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just what Yates said, you know, the center will give way and it, it, we're headed for a collapse unless we wake up. And this is the artist's job. You see, because the beginning of waking up consciously is, of course, feeling. And our job as actors, singers, writers, directors, painters, dancers, is to make people feel. Mm -hmm. If you can get people to feel, then they will wake up. Yeah, And that's your responsibility as a talent, is to have the craft and the skill to be able to make people feel. To make it to, to make people that are so apathetic, you know, everything is just blah blah blah. And to but to snap them into reality by you know your work is I think a valiant cause and a valuable, noble cause. Yeah, no, I love it. You have a quote, and I love this quote. You said, acting is the meeting a crisis and dealing with it. Yeah. That's my own personal definition that I have, you know, arrived at um, through years of experience doing it. There are many definitions of the acting. Uh, I forget. I think it was Sanford Meisner who said it's being truthful in imaginary circumstances. Well, he obviously never did a prison movie because there you have to be truthful in truthful circumstances mm -hmm. because it's dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, a lot, of, you know, there are many definitions, but my definition is something that I concluded based on experience on doing eight shows a week. 
you know, of the same play day in and day out. I, the crisis is I don't feel like doing the show. You know, um, you have to. It's your job. People are paying good money for those seats, whether you feel like doing it, whether you're hungover or sick or your girlfriend broke up with you. You got to get out there and do it. And uh, that definition, I believe, holds water and would with any professional from Anthony Hopkins, although I've never asked him, I'd like to, <laughs> on down. Uh, yeah. I love Anthony Hopkins. I, I just, he's a great uh, hero in my view. Um, just a simple, quiet man that goes about his business, does his work. And that's it. He's brilliant. You know, he doesn't use earpieces to have his lines fed to him. And he must be, what, 75 years old? At least. Uh, and still going strong. You know, I know. He's, he's really a great, great actor. And uh, we had the honor as young students at Juilliard, John Hausman um, invited him in to speak to the students because Anthony Hopkins had replaced Richard Burton on Broadway in um, Equus. And uh, he was so shy and, and people were asking him questions and he was answering them, staring at the floor. And then one student said, would you read a poem from Dylan Thomas's uh, book of poems. And he reluctantly agreed. And this shy man all of a sudden, now as I was young and easy under the apple boughs about the lilting house, happy as the grass was green, golden in the heydays of his, you know, this Welsh, stentorian voice came ringing out in this room and then we of course went crazy because it was so and john houseman said in case you're wondering that's the kind of actor we'd all like you all to become you know and, and uh, that made a tremendous impression on me i was so fortunate to have gone to juilliard because i still use those same tools uh, to this day um, and all these years later, I mean, that was 1973 when I started my education. And my father always said to me, you know, because he was a mechanic, he had, his hands were embedded with grease and grime and dirt that he couldn't get out of them. And he had lost his thumb because of the rear axle of a tractor had fallen on it and cut it off. Uh, so his hands were badly damaged, and he used to say to me, "Look at look at these hands. Do you want hands like this? Mm -hmm. Then stay in school, get an education." And you know, I'm very fortunate that I that and the University of Iowa for writing. I've I've had great opportunities to learn from people much smarter, and I'm still learning from people much smarter. And it's my responsibility to pass on what I know as best I can and to help others out as much as I possibly can. I think there's a great uh, basic rule of thumb, help as much as you can, and if you can help, cause no harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're, you are doing a great thing. So if people who are interested in being part of your acting school, where can they get in contact with you? 
and so they can become you know is it is it um a yearly thing is it like every, a couple of months at a time it, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. ongoing okay so it's, so there's not like going on no 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 I mean, so it's not like you have a graduation. It's not like, okay, you have a, like, when I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, it was three months and that was it. So with you, it's just ongoing. Just, you know, pay yeah, whatever. It, the... it's, it's ongoing. It's 275 for four consecutive classes. And the new website will be up at thomasgwaits.com or uh, TGW Acting Studios on Facebook uh, or, you know, my um uh, email which is uh, tgwactingstudionyc.com uh, is easy enough I'm easily reachable in fact and I have to get my phone number off of there my phone number is on a bunch of these websites and uh, I have to you know I get girls calling me up saying uh, were you really the fox can I <laughs> go out with you flattering though it may be i'm old enough to be your grandfather but that's nice of you to call uh, but tgw acting studios is easy to track down tgw acting studio nyc.com is my email uh, thomasgwaits.com is my website um and it's a free audit every monday night i teach 6 30 to 10 at the gene frankel theater on 24 bond street and if you'd like to come and watch for free get in contact with me and um you know come and watch it and see if it's for you it might be too tough for you and that's okay but um it might be too advanced for you and that's okay uh not that i won't work with beginners but it's you it's a mutual decision you know you get the vibe this is a guy maybe has no talent or ability whatsoever but he really wants it I'll work with him. I got a guy that worked for the MTA for 35 years and retired. He couldn't read a declarative sentence. He did a scene on Monday night. Let me tell you, the comic timing that this guy has naturally, that he would never have, he's been with me a couple of years, he would never have discovered, he couldn't memorize one line. Now he's doing entire scenes. Wow. Well, you know, Do you know what this does for his self-esteem, mate? Oh, exactly. Well, I th I think what I want to do is once this interview is over and we're off the air, I want to I would love to go down for and watch it for free because I would love to see Absolutely. what you do. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. And because uh, I, I I've never I've done a little bit of acting, but I've never everybody always says, oh, man, you should do this. And it's not because I don't want to try it. It's just that sometimes when I was I was supposed to be in one play, a local production and it just didn't work out my work schedule at the time. My manager wouldn't let me go to, for all the rehearsals. So I had to, so I, I would definitely love to go to your school, check it out and just watch you in action and uh, how you uh, teach the students. And uh, one one last, you're welcome to, and, and I already know what I would assign you if you were my student, uh, Richard III. Ah, I like it. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by the sun of York and all the clouds that lowered upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. I mean, that would be a great speech. Well, I think you. I'm going to, I'm going to, not, I'm going to do my best to memorize it, but I'm going to start looking at that and reading it over and over again. So I want to go down don't there. Don't memorize it until I teach you what you're saying. But right. before we go, I'll, because I'll we're look running it over. out of time, is, 
my band is playing July 5th okay. at the 11th Street Bar, which is a great fun bar in Manhattan, um, 11th Street and 1st Avenue, I think it is. Uh, we go on at 9.30. We're doing two sets. of all. It's all original. You can only play original material at the 11th Street Bar. And uh, anybody that's listening, please stop down and give us a check out. It's Thomas G. Waits, Tony Daniels, and Cedric Allen Hills. It's a little trio. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a great show. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to check my work schedule because I would love to see that. So I'll be, I'll be talking to you. And once again, there is so much more to talk about. We didn't even get into you as a playwright going to Iowa as a playwright. Then we didn't talk about your bands. We didn't talk about you being a voice actor in some of these video games. So, Thomas, I think we have to have a part four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rich. You keep in touch, all right? Most definitely well. I think, you know what? Welcome to the new co-host of the Claws Corner, Thomas G. Waits, everybody. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself, man. Yeah, you as well. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very okay. much. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps up the latest episode of the Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to actor, director, playwright, and acting teacher, Thomas G. Waits, and also the co-host of the Claws Corner, for taking time off his extremely busy schedule to be a guest on my show. Another huge thanks goes out to editor extraordinaire John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing the show each and every week and making it available to all. I am also extremely grateful to Joseph Timothy Quirk and Rob Bull for all their hard work and dedication and all they do to make my show available on several Connecticut radio stations, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Thank you both very much. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you the viewer for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone.